Welcome to uh, a bit of a different show tonight, guys. This is going to be the AMX Superstores Inside Dirt Show. We've got uh, Jack Simpson coming on as a guest. We've got Lee Hogan coming on as a guest. Darnell Official will join myself and Zane Dunlop as co-host in the house. And uh, we're just going to chat all things that's been going on the past few weeks. I got a bit sick uh, after Toowoomba, so we missed the Primex Review Show window from Toowoomba. But AMX Superstores are, of course, bringing you this Inside Dirt Show where we're going to talk about uh, World Supercross, Primex, um, MXGP, Hatter, and everything in between. And uh, AMX Superstores are, of course, the nation's leading motorcycle retail specialist. They've got well into the 20s, uh, the amount of stores that actually elude me now, the number, but all over the East Coast, through to the West Coast, through to South Australia, they have an incredible number of stores that if you go to your local Primex round, if you were at Toowoomba, they had the local teams from the local Gold Coast and Brisbane-based shops there hanging out with the fans, selling products, and just getting to know the local market, which is what AMX Superstores are all about. They can get you anything from adventure to motocross, supercross, trail riding, uh, road, anything in between to keep your bike and body on the track. And uh, if you go to any AMX Superstores and deal with your local team members, they'll get you kitted out at the best prices and the best quality products. And if for whatever reason you cannot make it into a local AMX Superstore showroom, which with the roster of stores they have nowadays, I find that hard to believe. But if you can't, go to amxsuperstores.com.au, amx.com.au, all the variations work, and you can get anything online at great prices to keep your bike and body on the road, on the track, going to the races, going to Hatter, racing in the desert, whatever it is. AMX got you covered with consumables, tires, oils, chains, sprockets, gear, boots, goggles, you name it, and uh, great prices and great customer service. So we once again thank AMX Superstores for our continued race support and race coverage in uh, Prime X and all the other cool championships we're going to talk about tonight. So with that being said, let's get to the show. Okay, kids, you're in for a real treat today. He's Jimmy's brother, the guy, the singer. Gator, never been about that. Never, never been about playing no shit. It'd be like looking over and seeing your, your ex-missus with someone else. Like, it's a... There's a few of them going around the pits, I'm sure. That's <laughs> Do you know what I've been smacking lately? Can we say it on the show? <laughs> Why weren't you more successful? Well, you know, because I sucked, so... <laughs> Alright guys, as promised, doing something a little different tonight, we're calling this the AMX Superstores Inside Dirt Show, bringing back the Inside Dirt Show vibes where we just cover pretty much all things racing, uh, reason for that being I actually got pretty sick uh, across the weekend at Toowoomba, got the job done with commentating and doing the AMX Superstores uh, Primex radio show, but man, was it a pretty rough way when I got home, um, little hospital visit on the couch in bed for most of last week, so uh, we did miss the AMX Superstores Primex review show window from Toowoomba, so to speak. So I am joined tonight by Zane Dunlop, uh, the People's Champ, privateer out of Queensland. Zane, thanks for coming back here, mate. Appreciate it. No worries, mate. Thanks for having me on. No, always. We were going to do this last week and I just kept pushing it. And then in the end, I'm like, hey, let's do it next week, which is tonight, Monday. And uh, let's mix it up. We're going to talk, you know, inside dirt show related, which basically means anything, two wheels, moto, 
off-road and there was a lot that went on this past week you know we've obviously got Primax to Wimbledon to talk about uh we've got the Hatter Desert Race uh, we've got Jack Simpson who finished second in that one coming on to chat all things uh, Hatter and then take your pick we've got MXGP we've got World Supercross um Red Bud AMA like there was a lot going on this past week yeah definitely I uh, got a lot going on it was actually like almost too much to watch but it was a good good weekend sitting down watching some racing it really was hey like it, it was Probably would have been great for me during the week, but on the weekend, like you said, like I managed to catch all of World Supercross, um, and then I've watched the YouTube highlights of MXGP, AMA, um, and Hada is one of those weird races where you pretty much get more off Instagram from people trackside than you do the event itself. Yeah. Yeah, well, they're in the middle of nowhere. They are definitely in the middle of nowhere. Have you been out there before? I've never been out there. Yeah, you wouldn't from up here. No, like, not at all. We, I have been out there, um, and there's a lot of junior tracks and clubs, and there's been a lot of state titles and that around that area. But man, it's um, it's kind of like you just drive north out of Vic, and you end up you're in SA, but you're not in Adelaide. You're not anywhere where people think you're yeah. in just the desert, the inland desert. Nice, nice. Yeah, no, it definitely looks like an awesome event. Like I was talking to all the boys driving home today and they're like, yeah, it's like seven hours and they're all hungover from the after party. And <laughs> I think it was pretty hard though. But anyway, we're going to have Jack Simpson coming on in just a minute. Simo is second in the event, riding that big 500 back from the States for a while. Um, and uh, Jacko's going to tell us all about the many hairy moments. I believe he led six of eight laps and then hit a tree wide open is what the official race report is. Yeah, they'll jump out in front of you, those trees. They always win too, man. Yeah, you, they don't move. Uh, we're going to get Lee Hogan on. Hogue's, uh keep this a bit of an industry night, so to speak. Hogue's going to catch up with us saying and talk all things Toowoomba. We've got to talk to you about Toowoomba because you had a pretty good ride. Yeah, yeah. I had a good good weekend at Toowoomba. Uh, kind of almost a complete weekend, but bottled up the first moto. And that track, if you don't ride properly, you'll blow Mm. Riding up and down the hills, hanging on too tight. I got chronic arm pump in the first moto, but second moto I rode well. Uh, practice quality was good. Felt comfy on the track, felt comfy on the bike. Just started at the end of the second moto, started overriding and went backwards. But I was actually, yeah, I was started ninth and I was around that top 10 battle for a good 15 minutes. So you were, yeah. I, I, I said your name a lot commentating. Um, and uh, it's the first time I've done that all year, really, as yeah. far as not just picking you out because like, we're friends. But... <laughs> Seeing you in the battle, um, it was cool. It was cool yeah. to see, man. We'll, we'll chat more about Toowoomba. A lot went down in the championship. Uh, Hoags is going to break that down with us uh, in a little bit of time here. And also, uh, Darnell Official, he's fresh back from Hatter, fresh back from Toowoomba. Um, he's pretty much fresh back from anything where there was a race. He Mr. probably would have been... And he was. He would have been Mr. Worldwide this weekend, I think, if he could have. Yeah, he was everywhere. Yeah. Seems like it. He is. Good on him. Uh, so, Darnell's going to join us later on. And... Um, with that being said, like I said, this is the AMX Superstores Inside Dirt Show, and uh, we're going to talk how to first, and uh, to kick things off, I, I love it that my phone literally, um, my phone always, as soon as I start a show, my phone will blow up, like without <laughs> fail, and I have to look at my phone to call people. Try my best to multitask here, Zane. Right, let's get into it. AMX Superstores is going to bring you Jack Simpson on, I think he's still on the drive back from Hatter, so... Let's get to it and call Simo and get him on the Inside Dirt Show. Hello. Simo, how you doing, bud? Good, how you doing? Good, mate. Thank you uh, for finally, uh, well, returning my call this afternoon on the drive home. But um, (laughs) 
Obviously, thanks for joining us on the Inside Dirt Show with AMX Superstores bringing you in. And uh, Zane Dunlop is joining me at the... Uh, at Breaking the... up there, Joe. Breaking up there, of course. Of course. Oh, no, I got you. I got you now. We're good. Okay. Let's um, try and keep this one. You got me there, bud? Yeah, all good. Whereabouts are you on the drive? In the middle of nowhere. With no <laughs> reception. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, in and out of reception, but... Yeah, just come into Melbourne, which is good to see the lights. It's been pretty boring for the last five hours. All right, that's good. Well, at least you're in um, in some phone service. I think my phone will jump up and down because, for whatever reason, where I live on the Gold Coast is a black hole for phone service. But anyway, let's get to it. <laughs> um, like I said, Jacko, Zane Dunlop's here. He's joined me at the house for the show tonight, so he'll jump in with some questions. But um, cool. first of all, mate, uh, congratulations on second. Um, I've had the rundown that you were winning up until almost the last little bit. So what went down? Um, yeah, so I got off, got a, a qualified second, um, or even earlier. So we did, we did. Um, so there's two parts of qualifying. There's a um, the top forty get the the first go on the track from previous. Yeah, it was it was a dead smooth track, and I put down a really really fast time and was uh, eight seconds quicker than everyone, and then we went back out for the top 10 shootout and uh, I was like the first rider me and Todd Waters the first rider on the track and then we were the last so you could imagine the, the roughness we didn't get to see any of that um, and went out there made a couple little mistakes blew a couple of turns and yeah come over the line a second shy of um, being the fastest qualifier so that, that wasn't too bad um, and honestly didn't I, I wasn't too stressed mate because Norton knows the track quite well. He qualified first, and um, it was good to follow him for a little bit at the start of the race. Um, and yeah, he made just he was blowing a few turns and making a bit of mistakes. So I sort of I was getting filled in pretty heavily. So I was like, oh, I was going to get around him and um, sort of ride my own my own pace while the track was uh, dead flat, and that's what I did. Um, now let's backtrack before we get into like how the race went down, but how did you end up basically doing Hatter? Because obviously I know you've been, you're back for the mid-season break with the work stuff and, and your contractor races in California with the uh, with the team you're on. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, I know you as well as anybody. Um, we chat pretty often, and one minute you were in Bali being Simo in the mid-season break, and then the next minute you were testing for Hatter. So was it always the plan to do Hatter, or did it just sort of happen? It just sort of happened, as you said. I, I come back um, and had my best friend's birthdays and we, you know, had some fun back home in Melbourne and then I got invited up to Sydney for another thing, went and done that. I honestly didn't ride a bike until Wednesday before had her and, um, yeah, it was just sort of my holiday. So I wasn't honestly too too fussed on the whole event. Um, and Dad, Dad really wanted me to do it. He was sort of the one that pushed, um, pushed for it and we had the, the OBR uh, Husky sitting there and my team in America is not uh, contracted to Yamaha or anything like that. So there was no, there was no um, conflict there. So yeah, my boss goes, yeah, no, you can ride the Husqvarna. It's fine. So that bike was pretty much set up from last year. Um, and it's a proven, a proven, proven beast. So it was pretty easy just to put a fresh sticky kit on that, clean it up, rebuild it and um, yeah, race it at Hatter. Yeah, man. Look, that thing. So that's, um, that's not the 450, is it? That's the 500. Yeah, it's a 500 with all the fruit. 
and um, it's a, it's a big bike. Like it was. <laughs> Man, them, it was them videos fun. that you were sharing from Saturday, the prologue, <laughs> and it's, and the top ten shootout. My goodness, I yeah, I've seen you hang some shit out, Simo, over the years, but that was next level. It was. It was honestly felt completely in control the whole time. Like I did. Have, there was one video that I swapped pretty hard, but for to watch the video, it looked a lot worse than it actually felt on the bike. Just because of the momentum and the speed, like I always said, I even said to my younger brother, because it was his first time back, I had it for a few years, I said, if you're unsure on a spot, just sort of do the old death grip and momentum will always get you out of it unless, you know, you go off the track and hit something else. Like, that's the only way it's really going to stop you. So that's, that was my um, mindset. So speaking of hitting something else, so how long did you lead the race for on, on during the final? Uh, I think I think Dad said six laps. So I led... I led. I got out to like a minute and a bit lead, um, and then I I think on the, the second fuel stop I actually missed the pit. So I come around, you know, in a world of my own, and went, oh shit, that's the pit, and I I um, went past, and then I for some reason I knew I had to get off the bike and push it back in the direction, not let it ride backwards on the direction. Right. So yeah, I, I lost a yeah I lost a bit of time there, as in some nice buffer time, um, and pushed back to or run run push back to the pit. We fueled it. And um, then, then got back on. And then that's when Mason was sort of around. and He was on my tail for a little bit. He was a, still a little bit bit better in the um, – there was some really tight sections. Um, is it me, dude, or did the track look really different to how it normally is? It was. It, it was like it was like um, more grown over. There was trees. It, like just the vegetation and the ground was um, – or the, the bushes and that were very grown. Like it sort of sounds weird, but it was like narrow. Did um when was the last was there a hatter last year? There was right. Yeah, yep. So hatter last year, the same direction. They usually go backwards, but they didn't this year. They run the same direction, and um, maybe that's got something added, to do with it. Yeah, I, I think they added two and a half minutes or two and a half k's um, of just tight, like real tight stuff. And a desert bike, um, you know, it's built to go fast and straights and big open turns, and they really tightened it right up. Um, yeah, okay. It'd be really good to have like a quick setting on the steering dampener to be able to go, to, you know, loosen loosen the bike up for that stuff, and then get a clicker button and go. Yeah, go like in and out sort of thing. But yeah, so Mason just had me there a little bit. He was a bit quicker in the tight stuff, and I'd have him out in the um out in the fast open bits and pieces. But yeah, I end up smoking a tree. I think on the fourth <laughs> lap, like just I sort of seen it coming. Like this going to hurt. This going to hurt. And I clipped it and stayed up. And, um, yeah, sort of give me a good corky in the arm, which then led to a bit bit of tightness on the left side of the body and then blisters. And I'm talking all four calluses peeled up, thumb peeled up. And what I don't know if it's got a broken finger or whatever, but it's pretty pretty sore from um, hitting. And then, yeah, sort of rode a little bit tighter after that. And, yeah, that was sort of two laps to go. And then it was sort of managed to manage it from then on um, to the end just to not, not lose. Um, side of Mason too much and not, you know, you not get caught by the guy behind me. Because it's very hard to get, um, very hard to get information or my pit to me to make, like, I didn't know I had a few minutes or whatever it was in the end for the guy behind me, you know, like I didn't know. So I was sort of just pushing the whole time. Uh, that's probably the best way, though, really, just keep it is, moving it forward. Is. Exactly right. There's no, no revision mirror on a 500. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, man. Look, hey, um, I guess pretty pretty crazy. So obviously Mason ends up getting you with a couple of laps to go, and I think 
overall, Zane's got the times here, but I think we were, yeah, three minutes, which obviously in the grand scheme of things is not that long in had a spare for nah. desert racing. But um, pretty cool, man. Like you and Mace, obviously Mace a little younger than you, but you guys are both young Aussies. You know, you're doing basically the opposite to him. Like he's doing the East Coast um, GNCCs in the States and yep. you're doing the West Coast works. So it's basically yep. opposite coasts. Um, and then you guys are both back here battling for the Hatter win. Like that's really cool. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, it was good. And we, we actually like you very hard for people to watch but me and Mace when he um, caught me I think it was a, maybe the first or second time I actually went back and forth a few times in the tight areas and bits and pieces I had some better lines than him and then I'd catch him on some straight it was just good fun good clean racing um, would have been pretty good for people to watch but there's no one out in the middle of the bush <laughs> but, um, it was good yeah just good fun and um, yeah just he was just honestly a little stronger in the last couple laps and I didn't want to kill myself because one slight mistake on a 500 can um, can really hurt. So, you know, as, as you as you sort of said earlier, this is my um, this is my break, summer break, a bit of relaxed sort of thing. Didn't put too much effort into um, sort of getting 100% ready and all that. It wasn't be all end all to, to win or lose the, the race. I just went out there, had some fun, and that's yeah, that's pretty much what what happened. It was good. Yeah, for sure. It's um. It was interesting this year with Hatter because, and I had this conversation, I actually spoke to Mace today a little bit as well, um, yep. and it was funny, man, you know, Zane, have you, you spoken much to Mason? Oh, uh, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, no, sorry, I was asking Zane, Jacko, but <laughs> same, right. same as you, right? Like, obviously, um, you've been living in the States for a few years now, and I, I think you pick up, a, when I talk to you on the phone over there, you have a few little words that you, you have, like, they're yep. American. Um but yeah, I talked to Mace, he's like, yeah, good day, Joe, how you go, mate? And I'm like, wow, dude. I'm like, you do not sound any different to, I'm like, you live in South Carolina, like I thought you might have picked up something. And he's like, nah, mate, Aussie is like, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yep, you certainly are. Um, but no, it's it's interesting. And Zane, I guess, um, probably, I don't know, it's just an adjustment for me in the sense of like, normally in Hatter over the years, you see like Milner, Chucky, you know, Greeny, like these really super established off-road guys in Oz. And yep. then I was talking to Donnell about it today and I was like, man, is it me or was it lacking like kind of the, you know, the the the, the big off-road names that we're used to seeing? And Donnell said, yeah, but he's like, think about it, man. You got like Mason, Jacko, like he's like, these are the guys in desert racing now. Like other than, now, yeah. you know, in Oz, like other than really, you know, maybe, you know, Obviously, Price is doing rally now. Chucky's doing rally now. Milner's doing world enduro. Um, Walsh is probably the only guy that wasn't there because he only really does Fink, right? Like I don't think he's ever yeah, done he's just ladder. a Fink specialist. Yeah, yeah. He, I, he's done a couple ladders, but yeah, he's not. That's not his cup of tea. It's funny you say that because the guys that are um, up there now, like, and no disrespect to the Aussies, but they don't understand what the Aussie Americans like, as in us guys have moved over to the US and racing way higher level, way more sort of sponsorship opportunities and all the stuff. But the Americans don't do the best at, I don't know, it's sort of hard. So once you leave the country, no one cares. Mm -hmm. And then they come back and you surprise them. They're all like, oh, what the hell? You went really good. It's like, well, duh. Yeah, <laughs> We're short racing, memory. You know, we've, uh, yeah, very short memory. Like, you know, the 
they had all these people, oh, who do you reckon's going to go good ahead of this, this, and this? And I'm just sitting there, I'm just sort of laughing, going, they're going to do shit. Like, they, <laughs> they don't race. They don't race as much as us. They don't, they're not doing what we're doing. And then we come back and we wax them, and then they all go, oh, uh, oh shit, yeah, those guys are pretty good. And yep. I said on the podium, uh, not the podium, the podium actually at the scrutineering they had. Oh, who do you reckon will be? Who, who do you reckon will go good? And the person I said good is the guy that bet me. I said the two the two dark horses coming back from the US. I said what you forget about them, you know, like Gus has bet me fair and square back um back in the US early in the year, and then I bet him as well. So like we've battled. He's he's on our level. Yes, he's on a three fifty, which that's why I knew. Like honestly, a three fifty against a five hundred out of hat is not really gonna be able to um, compete definitely early anyway. And he's a fit fit ride, only ends up fourth. And then Mason beats me. I'm there in second. Corey rode really well on the gas gas. And then the rest, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess I suppose I follow you and Mason on Instagram and I kind of follow, track your progress and stuff, but it's not really like motocross. Like uh, we watch the, the motocross and the MXGP and stuff and it's kind of always in your face, like, yeah. Jet and Hunter and but you guys kinda of go off and race off in the bush and you don't really hear about you yep. and I guess people Exactly right. Yeah, it's not really in your face where like Yeah, I didn't honestly didn't expect I don't know who I expected to win. I expected Callum to win it because I've been following Fink pretty heavily this year. Yeah, yeah. But um yeah, I honestly didn't expect you two guys to do it, which was it's just cool to see, honestly. And it's kinda of like the yep. younger crowd coming through like well, it's that next it? generation, isn't it? You yeah. Know, like, I guess for me, that's, seeing, see, that's what you were saying, Joe. Yeah, yeah, like seeing you and Mason come through as juniors, and then not that I'm not used to you being the guys, but yeah, because you've been gone, like you said, stateside, to then see like Callum, Mason, Simo, it's like, oh, okay, like that. That is the guys in like Aussie desert racing now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah, definitely right. No, you're right. It's just sort of the next, the next level, or the next, um, the next gen, and. Um, the other the other riders have done well with what they've done in Australia, and they move on, you know, like Chucky and all that to the desert, uh, the the rally stuff. It's just the way the way it is. If you sort of step back and look at it, Toby done it, then you know Milner done some real good stuff with the um the world and Giro type of deal with winning six day and that. And then he goes over to Europe. Um, I done a little bit of, of Australian stuff, but seen the light before you get stuck in the in the rut and you know trying to chase sponsorship and money and everything else here in Australia, you just got to get out and get after what you, you know, what you want and what your goals are. And, you know, after I've done it, I, I can't say I'm in the best position I've ever been in my life after a year and a half being in America, financially and sponsorship opportunity, a whole lot. Um, wish I did it earlier, but it's, yeah, it's a big step too. Like not, not anyone can really just, that's why there's only a handful of guys in the U S motocross and off road that can, uh, make it happen because, you know, as you know, Joe, you've travelled the world. You know that it's not that easy to just pack your dirt bike gear bag and just hope for the best. <laughs> no, it's not. It's um, Timing is everything. I think you matured enough. You know, how old are you now? You'd be, what, 27? Yeah. Wow, 27. Far out. Um, I still remember you when you were like a, a pup, <laughs> a, a young pup. But anyway... Um, that's crazy, but yeah, you know, you've matured to the point where you can handle it, where, yeah, you're over there by yourself and you're an adult and you're living in America, you're paying taxes, you're yep. responsible for your own schedule. It's not easy, you know, a lot of people think that, yeah, you can just pack up and leave, but it really, you know, and especially for someone like you, Jack, I know how much you're a hometown kid, right? So 
yeah. is a big responsibility and a lot of culture shock. Um, to yeah, go- a lot of sacrifices for some po- – like, this, yeah, you got to take the sacrifices to get the positives out of it. Um, um, and speaking of – before I talk, before we talk about America, um, someone asked me today, they said, what's the prize money it had? And I said, honestly, I don't know. Um, does it pay well? I, I've, I've never looked into it. <laughs> no. <laughs> it was so good. I think um, Mason got 7000 for the win. Okay. And then I got 5000 for second. And I think third, I got last year third, I think it was three grand. But, I mean, we, you, you convert that to USD, that's like me getting fifth on a 250. Like, it's not – not a lot. Oh, that's right. why I try to explain to dad. That's why I was like not too stressed on it because, you know, you're, you're not putting your life on the line. You sort of are, but I mean, had it had it. I don't know, dude. Watching you, <laughs> watching you ride that 500, <laughs> I'd say you're definitely putting your life on the line. Oh, I just clipped it. Yeah, tree. All, I wasn't really about three and a half, four thousand dollars USD. It's real worth it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Okay. So okay, so like five grand for second. Um, yep. No, no contingency off um, Husqvarna Australia or. Anything like that's why the, that's no, why the black fully black deal. Yeah. yeah, well, that's like yeah. a that's like a two fifty motocross bonus structure kind of thing. That's what I pretty think, much. That's yeah, similar to what it would be over here in Australia. So that's kind of considering how big the race is and how much like goes into it. It's pretty yeah, pretty low. Yeah, it's I mean, yeah. That's why I was curious because I know Fink has I think Fink has better money, but I I, I don't. Yeah, it's not much better. Ten grand for the win. But the thing is, like those OBR guys, they said it co- you cost me a hundred five thousand dollars this year to race. I think that was in twenty twenty two. Jesus. Um, and 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 I got what did I end up third, and what went home with two and a half grand or something. I can't can't quite remember, but you know, it's a, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's, it's difficult. And Fink really is putting your life on the line. I, I'm kind of like that is definitely. Yeah. I'm more comfortable racing uh, Hatter only because of the. The speed and, you know, like there's a few long big straights and that, but I think just the risk, like you're just literally full biscuit everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Saying tonight before we start, he's like, I think I might race Hatter and Fink next year. It's like, you should. You totally should. Yeah, no, I'm definitely looking to uh, diversify <laughs> my riding. Yeah. I did a few motocross races this year and rode around at Albury and went, yeah, now I've got to do something fucking different than this. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm going to race some off-roads and some desert stuff and I've been trying to figure yeah. it out and look at Hatter's, it. Hatter's probably your best, um, Hatter's probably the best, Introduction of the desert racing, I would say, and it's getting big. There was that many people there; it was crazy. Yeah, there was a lot of riders there. Sells out. Quick. A lot of riders, and it was rough. Oh, did it get rough? Um, Tim, before we uh, before we let you go, mate, let's touch on all things America. So right now, in California on the West Coast, they do the midsummer like mid season break, right? Where they they yep. have how many? Is it three months off, or how many months off? Does June, it? July, June, two, July, two full months off. A little bit of August, but I'll be back. And everything will start ramping up probably the start of August, and then we race middle of August. Right, so it'll still be pretty damn hot. Um, yeah. So currently, your points leader in works and and NGPC yeah, and on the two fifty road two. Yeah, so you've won. You've won like a handful of rounds in each championship. Yeah, four right? or five, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, four or five races. So we haven't actually chatted much specifics. I know we were talking about you coming up here and doing some riding in Queensland and that, but. Um, where are you at in the points lead? Like, how's it all sitting? How many more races do you have to go? Like, this so, is actually a big, this is a big year for you career-wise. Like, you're on, yeah, on point is. to win both these championships for for, for for your team, Pervines Racing and Yamaha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um, so the, the works championship, um, I had a, I think it's like a 20-point lead. And then only in the very last round before I come back, 
um, the guy in second place, Dean F. So he'd give me another 30 points. So I've got like, I'd have a fair few points up my sleeve. So all I really need to do is just be consistent, you know, in the top five for the last two or three rounds and I'll have that one wrapped up. And then the NGPC um, championship, I think I had 17. Oh, no, I didn't have – I had 21 points. I had more points in that. But um, unfortunately, the last round, just before I come back as well, we raced at a, um, a really hot, high-altitude bloody track and it really um, beat me up. I ended up getting like sixth or seventh and lost some valuable valuable points. I still got a five-point point lead in that series. So just got to be, um, yeah, right on it at least. You know, out of the, I think we got three to go. One win, a couple of podiums, and then that one could be wrapped up as well. Just got to probably put more effort and uh, focus into those three races and uh, sort of just chill in the other championship. And, yeah, hopefully get the um, the double championship bonus and I'll be a happy man. Yeah, for sure. Now, it's, it's interesting, right? Like, I know we chatted at the start of the year and, and at the end of last year when you'd left... Um the SLR Monster Energy Honda team and you know you were putting together this deal which came together pretty last minute but we talked about how year one for you on the 250 you you rode rode Honda you won some races you learned a lot now with Yamaha over there great bike great package probably not so much of a rock and roll rock star team but very you know sounds like you got good motors good good equipment and yeah winning or being in contention to win both these championships that was sort of what we talked about for you with then you would try to look at going 450 the year after is that still something yeah. that you're sort of looking career-wise is then to go to the 450 over there yeah definitely I, I honestly don't to be honest joe i really don't care what i ride as long as i'm making some good money i would love to be on a 450 because i feel like just my style is not too erratic and too you know, like, sort of doesn't really suit a 250 in a way. I think I feel like I'm a little too smooth and a little bit uh, too patient on a 250, and that's what I've learned um, over the last year and a bit to really, you know, got to rev the hell rev the hell out of it to get it moving in a way. Um, and the 450, I think, really suits my style, having more power and finesse. You can, you know, you want to go there, the 450 will go there. On a 250, you have to go around the, the top of the berm to get the slingshot down the straight, if that makes sense. You can't just point and shoot like you like I would like to on a 450. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, honestly, it's not com- completely confirmed what um, 450 or 250 next year, but I have both bikes. So I've been riding um, both bikes and whatever they want me to do, I'll do. Don't trust me. Yeah, for sure. All right, Simo. Well, hey, I appreciate you taking the time out to uh, come on the AMX Superstores Inside Dirt show here. And uh yeah, man, it was awesome. Like I said, we've been chatting. I really didn't even know you were going to be at Hatter, and then I saw you break out the 500, and I was like, yeah, yeah, Jack's <laughs> going racing. And um, that was a very, very uh, entertaining bunch of clips on Saturday that we saw on Instagram. I'm sure your DMs were just blowing up with people getting stuck. Oh, yeah, I've got, some cra- I've got some heaps of videos. Everyone's just commenting, you're a madman. How the hell do you do it? <laughs> How do you do this? I just said, I don't know. I just full send and, you know. Because it is like, as much. it's so different too, man. Like you're riding a 250 in the States doing the, the long off-road works races and then you go from that to just fifth wide on a 500 in the desert. <laughs> like it, uh, it doesn't get much more contrasting than that. It's it's no. it's cool though, man. Like it shows your versatility. Yeah, no, it's, but then again, like I've done it for, for a few years. Not like I'm just going cold turkey onto it. Like that's my bike. I've, had, I've been riding that chassis for three years. 
It's more the Yamahas than you think <laughs> when you think of it. Yeah, true. But, um, You've been now on I'm doing so much time. Yeah, so much time on both. Just, you know, I'll ride anything. I don't care. Love it. Never change, Simo. Never change, bro. Yeah. <laughs> All right, hey, congratulations um, on second place at Hatter, mate. And uh, glad you're safe. When are you heading back to Stateside? Um, I'll probably go back to the States early August. Okay. Like within the first week of August. So, um, yeah, go back there. Um, I'm going to race an Australian off-road at Eden Hope on an E1 uh, Yami 250. Uh, that's coming up in a couple of weeks. So I want to race that uh, on the 250. And pretty much from now on, I'll be riding just the Yamahas back here in Melbourne, um, training, getting used to the little bore again, and uh, go back swinging for the last half of the year. And, uh, yeah, as you said, hopefully, you know, the plan is to win both of the championships and, that's yeah, that's a goal. Let's go for that. Amazing, man. Well, um, we'll check in with you again once you're back stateside or when the season finishes, mate, and uh, let everyone, yeah, let all the inside dirt listeners hear from you. It'll be great to um, big year for you, man. Uh, I'm, I'm stoked to see you. It's been a long time coming, so. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you. I right, mate. Have a good one. Yeah. Bye bye. All right, guys, Jack Simpson on the uh, AMX Superstores Inside Dirt show. Zane, you hung out with Jack much? No, nah, not at all, actually. I've never really spoken to Jack. Yeah, okay. Seems like a cool dude. Yeah, he's... Um, Great interview. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> like, what you hear just there, like, he he actually keeps himself to himself a lot if he doesn't know you. Yep. Um, but yeah, obviously, me and Simo go way back. <laughs> uh, way back. It's, it's pretty crazy for me, actually. Like, I've been, excuse me, in his career, in his corner in his career for a long time, and... Jeez, I, Jack came to me in 2011, maybe? Would have been a teenager. We, we ended up rehabbing both his ACLs before he went into MXD or MX3 oh, yeah. and, and went pro back when I was doing the, the coaching and the training side of things. And, um, man, his his career has been really interesting. Like some people, like Nathan Crawford and him were in juniors together. Yep. And they raced junior Aussies together. They raced MXD, MX3 together, MX2 together. And it's like NATO's still here. Yeah, yeah. 100%. And he's racing for Factory KDM and he's done the tour for like 10 years now. Yeah. And it's like Jacko's done everything. Everything. <laughs> like he raced MX3 and MX2 and Aussie Motocross and Supercross. Then he won the uh, AORC Championship. All right. He won, um, I think he won the four day. He raced the six day. Then he did desert stuff for a few years. Then he didn't race at all during COVID. And now he's in America and he's odds on to win two championships in off-road racing in California. Like it's, it's a bit of a wild journey for him. Living the dream. It is, man. It's cool. It's um, like, there's no right or wrong way to do it. I think it's just some people's paths are quite linear. It's a straight line. And like, I just compare him. It was like him, NATO, Egan Mastin, Jed Beaton, yep. you know, and it's like now NATO's factory KDM 250s beaten's done mxgp like he's back over here in the span of like eight years like so much can happen yeah yep. in these young guys careers but no, um, it's really cool to see sick looking bike yeah just the murdered out 500 yeah, i'm a big fan of that bike i've sent it around a few of the boys yeah. like yeah when i get my 500 i want to do this <laughs> yeah it's an absolute weapon but um i might try and get some of those clips off him so we can do some voice grabs and uh and do the instagram clips we do for the podcast but yeah. man uh, no, cool to chat to Anyways, AMX Superstore is bringing you Jack Simpson here on the Inside Zone Show. And uh, what time have we got here? 7.05. So, um, I said to Hogs, I would call him in about 10 minutes, Zane. So, before we get Lee Hogan on to chat uh, all things Prime X, 
maybe let's chat some World Supercross because we'll we'll cover all things Primax with Lee. So let's get into it. Birmingham, UK. Uh, Aston Villa's football Premier League ground hosted the opening round of World Supercross. Um, blank canvas, blank slate, new year, new championship, the two round pilot series from the year before was a given. Now it's time to see like what they're going to deliver as a consistent product. What did you think aesthetically, format, crowd, venue, race, everything? What did you think? What was your I thoughts? Think I really love the whole World Supercross kind of product. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of it. I love that they're coming to Australia. Like the World Supercross this year, uh, last year in Melbourne was the best thing I've ever watched. So I've never been to America to watch a Supercross or anything. I would love to, but I love the product that they're doing, bringing it around the world. I think people need to see Supercross live and in person. Uh, it gets a lot of hate about like the riders and who's there and who's not. But man, I, honestly, I don't really give a shit. Like, just watching Ken Roxon go around is epic. Like, I think that, um, and it's an interesting thing for me when it goes to the UK, right? Because to me, then it actually showcases because I'm from the UK. So my Facebook feed, my Instagram feed, there's still a lot of people I grew up with in the UK. And for them, they're all taking pictures at World Supercross. Like, it's a big thing. Yeah. You know, like, I think for us, we, I actually, I know this for a fact. Coming from Australia... Well, me now. I've lived in Australia half my adult life, right? Um, but Aussies, we, we don't get how good we have it. I've said this time and time again. We've got, you know, Pro Motocross, Australian Supercross, um, Hatter, Fink. You know, Simo's talking about how the prize money is not that great here and everything. When you're making America money, no, it's not. But yeah. as far as opportunities for domestic races, this country's really good. We have great professional championships, great sponsors, great industry, Everything, right? Um, so we are a bit immune to it because AME, Adam Bailey, Sando, World Supercross, Aussie Supercross, like we're so immune to it because World Supercross offices are 20 minutes from my house down here on, on the Gold Coast. Yeah. Like you yeah. go down to Southport, it's right there. The, yeah. There's always industry, like there's teams here, there's industry here, there's, you know, Todd Waters is 20 minutes down the road with his yeah. factory team. Like yeah. you just take it for granted that this is also accessible to us, right? Um, but when I see people I grew up with in the UK, I used to race with whatever, whatever, they're taking pictures with Roxon, they're taking pictures by the finish jump, you know, him and his missus, and they're all stoked the, the, the afternoon out at World Supercross. And you're like, that's actually what this championship means. You're taking yeah. a product that's not accessible to people. Like, sure, they can watch it on TV. It's not the same. It's not the same. You're taking it to a soccer stadium in the UK. You're taking it to the Arab Emirates. You're taking it to Marvel Stadium. Like, when I saw all those posts, I was like, all right, I get it now. Yeah. It sounds silly, but I was like, I actually get this concept now, you know? Yeah, no, I was definitely like, I like the way they're doing it. They're switching it up. The product is very polished. Those guys, AME, their their live stream, like, was top notch. Like, the only thing I could critique on is I wish Ralph and Jeff would get the last lap board because they just go, oh, that's the checkers. And you're like, oh, uh, yeah. it would have been good to know that was the last lap because they were quite close. I was kind of, it's hard to check up on the board, but. And see, like, oh, it is actually the last lap. But, you know, I think apart from that, I thought the whole thing went really well. I really think the 250 mains are a little bit too short. I think um, touching on the TV thing, I think here's the catch, right? Like, Ralph and Jeff, amazing commentators. Yeah. But they they did the elite level at AMA Supercross for so long. Yeah. That, that TV production is so polished, right? I've worked in TV for many years. 
And I can tell you that um, when you get used to doing it a certain way, that's always going to be your go-to. Yeah. So I think for them, whether the producer's not in their ear, they don't have switches, they don't have this, they don't have that, that they're used to. I think you could, I could tell a few times during the show they were treading water, like they weren't yeah. where it needed to be. Um, that'll iron out, man. They got another five rounds. They're, they're going to figure that it's their out. Their third round. I, um, yeah. I thought that um, it was hard to tell. Um, sorry, my phone is going absolutely nuts. From my do not disturb mode, bro. That's what I'm on. Yeah, no, it's um, I have um, I have overseas workers. I have virtual assistants, and <laughs> they work different hours, so uh, okay. they blow me up at night with questions on projects we're working on. Yeah. Um, I also have Australian workers, by the way. So <laughs> I'm not one of those that just sends our, all our work overseas. Um, but, you know, the stadium, those, those soccer stadiums, they're big, man. Like, yeah. It's a small floor space with a lot of seating. So you notice they had, I think, one of the end sections completely cordoned off. Yep. The two side, you know, they, they know what they're doing with, with yeah. funneling people. In, and I think on TV it looked a little sparsely yep. populated, but I think it was a pretty decent crowd. Yeah, actually, when I seen it, me and the old man were watching it, and he goes, "Oh shit, there's no one there." And I'm like, "Well, that's a World Cup stadium, man. Remember, like this, this probably seats a fair few people." I looked it up, and it seats about fifty thousand. I was gonna say it would seat fifty, sixty thousand. So yeah. it's on par with like Marvel, but yeah. Marvel is like quadruple the floor space, yeah. so it, it yeah. doesn't feel the same. But I think they had a good crowd. It looked like they had a great package. I thought the TV production had come along a massive amount since the year before, yeah. and and that was round one. Um, I think that. The tracks, I think even me as a diehard industry fan, it's like, okay, this isn't AMA Supercross, so the tracks aren't going to be cookie cutter. They're trying to do different things. Yeah. I think they gave a racetrack that you've got guys coming into Supercross that haven't ridden Supercross for five months. Sorry, not five months. About, well, May, June, July, August. Yeah, three, four months, right? Um, they're trying to get their star riders through the first round without getting hurt. Yeah. Um, a lot better track than Cardiff, I thought. Way better, yeah. Than, than last year. Watched Cardiff and I was like, yeah, they missed the boat. They, they did there. Um, those little switchbacks, I was like, oh, they're back again. But they made it work this time. Um, they they seem to love doing whoops into a right-hander, like a flat right-hander. It literally, it's- when they would cut to that, I was like, this is the exact same shot. Camera shot, whoops, everything is Cardiff. It's Cardiff, yeah. I was, I was like, like okay. this is the exact same. I was like, as soon as I seen it, I thought the same thing. I'm like, okay, another set of whoops into a flat right-hander where these guys are struggling to carry speed. But in the end, that was actually a really good racing spot for passing. Um, I think the only critique, because we have to critique about the growth of the series, I, I can't say enough, like, the... GP race one, GP race two, like the branding, yeah, the format, like is polished, man. It's very it's, high it's end. It's very high end. Like you could look at that and and you can instantly see, like even on YouTube today, I was checking out some of the UK and the European media and they were doing the walk through the pits. Like they've achieved yeah. something that is um, visually, aesthetically, branding wise. And that's the other thing I noticed. You see all the global sponsors on the yeah. track, like they had sponsors global brands, Fox Sports, um, you know, I forget. It wasn't Penrite and all these yeah, Aussie brands. Yeah. It was global brands, yeah. right? I forget the other sponsors. Uh, AMX Superstore should be on there. <laughs> <laughs> but needless to say, like, I feel like it's taken a massive step forward. And and I know people within the organization, we, we both do. Um, I'm privy to a lot that goes on behind the scenes. And it's been a lot of moving parts. Like, this championship is not an easy thing to pull off. No, nah, not at all. To say the least. And... These guys like Bailey and that, they're 
they're throwing everything at this to make it successful. It's not easy. Um, so to see it, in my opinion, it, it far exceeded what I was expecting. Yeah. Um, and that's not me blowing smoke because we know these people. Like I, I feel that the sport needs this. Like you look at the riders that were there, and then you see, okay, this is viable because you go, well, MXGP is in Indonesia, Red Buds, Red yeah. Bird, it's in America. You yeah. know, it's their biggest race of the year. Yeah. You've got um, UK, so three continents. Three, three global racing. racing. Yeah. You know, and it worked. Um, but I will say two things. If they're going to continue with this racing format, these first turns are going to be figured out. Yes. Like, they can't run 180 lefts. It's got to be some sort of sweeping left. Yeah. Or I, I pitched this today to someone I was chatting to. I was like, if you can do three gate drops and six lap races or eight lap races in the 250s, I think it's six, right? Six, six, ten in 250, and it was eight, eight, twelve. All right, so six, six, ten, no problem, right? But you're going to have to run some sort of staggered start. Ooh. As in, like, maybe a double grid. They're like, not doing this at every round, though. Are they doing traditional format as well? They will. I don't know about traditional, but they did. Remember they did... Oh, did they do... T- I think they did two rounds of triple headers last year. Yeah, okay. Because I remember seeing on some sort of format that there was two different, like just two main events and maybe a normal main event. Let me look it up while you speak. Yeah, look, I any for, for me though, you, you look at someone like Justin Bogle, right? Or even Cole Seeley, any, anybody of that caliber of rider that should be factoring into these races. Um, and for one reason, I mean, Luke Clout, I think at one point was getting eaten by someone's rear wheel. <laughs> did you see that? Yeah, in the first I did turn? see that. And Bogle helped him out. Yeah, and I have no problem with the short races. I think it's great, great for TV. It's great intensity, but you cannot expect to have the gate drop three times into a left one eighty when it's a six lap race. Like these yeah. guys are going to kill each other to try to get through, and it happened every race. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I think it, the the start. It's hard. The track, I think, we got lucky because it could have very easily been boring. Like, do you ever watch those main events in America where you just want to walk away? Oh yeah, all the time. So there was not one the minute. There where, was not one minute where I wanted to get up and walk away. No, the race, and that's what I'm saying. It's a double-edged sword where you just like, it was super entertaining, but I'm just like, I just want to see everyone get through the first turn, yeah, so they can race, you know. Yeah, because you had like, and I guess because Tanny and all that, because our boys like Tanny and Luke had a lot of issues in the first turn. I was like, "Fuck!" Like, come on, like, yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe if they'd have got through, I might be talking differently about the first turn. But I do feel there's something they're going to have to address. Like maybe, maybe ten and ten with a staggered start is not something that is viable. But um, I don't know. I'm just spitballing where there's things they can refine. You know. Yeah, yeah, I think they're obviously very close. Like, you think about how long Feld and them have been doing Supercross and how close these guys are after three rounds. Mm. I think they've done a very good job. And, like, a bar a few small things, we've got a viable series. And I think people will back it. They will get the money. They're going everywhere. They're going six rounds. Like, they're going to Abu Dhabi. They're going to Singapore. Like yeah, when this thing's ten epic. rounds in three years' time and it's established yeah. and, like... Look at the press they were getting, right? Like BBC had the local, sorry, the national BBC news out there. Like massive. On press. Like that's that's coverage that the sport doesn't get. Yeah. And you, you go to domestic markets and, you know, this year maybe there was 20,000, 30,000 people there. Well, that's normally what we get at Marvel, right? 20,000, 30,000, yeah. despite what the press release says. Yeah. I reckon it'd be the same in the UK there, probably 20,000. Yeah. 
you know, in years to come, that'll be 30, 40,000 and it will continue to grow. And when it's starting to hit these markets every biannually, every second year, and, and it's starting to do its thing. But like, I think having Roxon there running number one, having Freezy there running the number three, yeah. like all of a sudden, you're like, this is a not like last year it wasn't. It was like, this is World Supercross and Tomac and Roxon are there and it's basically AMA, but yeah, it's not. This year it looked like a new championship. Yeah. As in you could visually see like this is something that is new. And I was all about it. I was like, I, I'll be honest with you, dude. I don't watch Prime X. I don't watch MXGP. I don't watch AMA. Like, I'll watch the highlights. I don't have time. Yeah. But I sat and watched the whole World Supercross broadcast. Because I was exactly. like, this is sick. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is really... It got me excited. It was something new. Yeah. The heat races, too, are a bit pointless. But I don't know what to do there. I can't really... I don't like p- passing judgment and comment without having a solution. Maybe some sort of sprint format like mm. GPs do, like a qualifying sprint with small amount with of points, points on it. or something, But yeah. then Super Pole is epic. Super Pole is epic. I think the 250s, I like that someone like McElrath can drop back down. I love that. Like, think... I, I just think that... Everyone is so short-term, like, America, you know, they're like, no, we're not letting our guys go race it. I said this from the beginning. I feel that you're going to have... Look at pro motocross this year. Like, I'm sorry, but look at it. Yeah. Right? The best motocross guys in the world are racing MXGP. Yeah. And then you have Jet Lines. Yeah. Basically. And you've got Ferrandis and Sexton, but realistically... If the sport continues to trend the way it's going to trend, eventually these manufacturers and these industry guys in the States are going to lose this beef they have with World Supercross. Yeah. Because they're going to realize World Supercross isn't going anywhere. Japan's going to start saying, hey, let's cut loose a bit of this tight regime we've got. Maybe we do let Cooper Rett, well, not Japan, Austria, but. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe we do go let Cooper Rett race World Supercross. Maybe we do let Sexton, whoever it is, right? When that happens, like to me, it was never about year one, year two, year four, year five. Like the guys like Cincerello and Sexton and Lawrence, it's almost too late for these guys. Yeah, yeah. I think that it's going to be more about the next generation that come through and they're going to go, okay, well, am I going to be a Supercross guy or am I going to be a motocross guy? If I'm going to be a motocross guy, I'm going to go to MXGP. Yeah. And if I'm going to be a Supercross guy, I'll race AMA, Aussie Supercross, World World Supercross. And then all of a sudden you've got the Justin Brayton, Dean Wilson, Josh Hill, like framework, but for guys like Di Francesco and yeah, um, yeah. whoever. Yeah, know? they're they're currently on super minis and like in two fifty A and stuff, and yeah, they're yeah. probably racing French championships, and they're probably you know supercrosses have definitely. It's going to branch out into two sports, I think. Like you've got Formula One, and then you've got NASCAR. Yeah, it's still two wheels like they and can, a steering wheel, they but can, that's they it. Can exist together. Like, it doesn't need to be one or the other. Like, uh, we've got World Superbike and MotoGP, and that's even closer because that's the exact same thing. Yeah. But one runs in America and... We've got production bikes, and you've got these... And same deal, like, yeah. You know, you look at the French team, uh, that Michelin, Yamaha, whatever team it is, right? uh, Yeah, Daffy, GSM, Yeah, whatever it is. And you've got... um, is I forget the names of the riders. Greg Aranda. Aranda and his uh, wife. Thomas Romet. Maybe Romet. I think it was wild. It was actually on a throwback MXGP I was watching today. But anyway, 
like those guys, they're racing the French um, Supercross yeah. right now because the French Summer Series is on and World Supercross. Yeah, it's like how cool is that? Yeah, like and these are guys that aren't going to be doing MXGP. They're not. They're not that good outdoors, yeah. but they can ride Supercross. We've well, seen it happen to Geordie Tixio as well. One wins a World Championship, gets pushed out of MX2. That's a whole another problem in itself, and then gets smoked in MXGP, makes his own team, but struggles like because mm. you're not never going to compete really. No, if you're not on factory equipment. What's um, it, like you're just never going to compete, and so he now he's there racing on a viable team, making probably half decent money. Like it's a it's a I really like enjoy the fact that we're going to have more riders getting paid more money, racing more all around the world. We just get more motorbike racing. Well, look at it, right? Like Tanny, Cloudy, Mossy, and you've got your Reeves team, your yeah. Dakar's team. Yeah. Like for us as like Aussie industry, like it's fucking epic, man. Yeah, like would Matt Moss be racing right now if World Supercross didn't exist? No, he would be. He wouldn't be riding around. He wouldn't be coming to Coolum and no. racing Toowoomba. I don't think. Why? Why would he? He's no, won enough over he's here. He's doing that to stay sharp. Yeah. To to you know, and he'll have a crack at winning Supercross this year in, in Australian Supercross. 100%. And I mean, he's riding for F, um for FXR Club MX Club MX like. A, a legit team in the States. Yeah. Mossy is riding for them in World Supercross. Like, I think, again, we're a little over-accessible to it in our position within the industry. Um, but, it, man, hats off to those guys. They've done some amazing things, and I really hope it's a success. And if that first round is anything to go off, I'm stoked for the rest of the championship. Yeah, yeah. One, I want to touch on the 250 thing as well, how you're allowed to drop down, because... I've always been a believer in that we were robbed of like 10 years of the best racing of Justin Barsha staying on a 250 for 10 years. Mm -hmm. Like, imagine if he stayed on a 250 for 10 years and we got to see him race all the young guys coming up. Man, Barsha, Baggett, oh, Wilson. Dude. Like, the amount of guys that should have stayed on a 250, J-Law. 100%. Anybody, like... And they just get forced up and they're just expected to ride a 450 and, and it's like... be a cookie cutter, like... Yeah. Yeah, it's um, but oh. yeah, McElrath. Um, who was he battling with again in two uh, fifty? Uh, there was Oldenburg and Anstey. Yeah, Anstey. Another another private. Like literally, Max has had a second career. Yeah. After all his years in MXGP, he's doing Supercross, and he's going to do World and Aussie and American. So, like, talk about a dream, right yeah. there. But um, hats off to the World Supercross guys and. Um, if AMX Superstores can get involved and sponsor that championship, so I can get involved <laughs> in doing some sort of yeah. uh, traveling the world. But um, excuse me, no, that was awesome to watch. So again, a lot of racing going on, and uh, that was the World Supercross chats. And um, last thing I forgot to mention, Zane, was it me or did that um, number one red plate on the Suzuki just look like Chad Reed from two thousand eight? I think it looks sick. 2009. You know what I thought was really cool? How Rick Ware did Mobile One sponsored the number one. Yes. I was like, as soon as I seen that sponsor come up, I was like, oh, that just makes me so happy. Dude, again, and the, even the teams. Like, I was literally like, what, what fucking team is this? Like, it's exciting to see different teams, different riders. And McElrath, he looks so much better. on. He, he looks so at home on a Yamaha 250 compared to riding the, the 450 in the States. But... um. Interesting results, man. Like Josh, uh, Justin Hill on the on the Cowie. Yeah. Very fast. Very cool. Um, he's going to factor in throughout the, the rounds. Like a lot of cool stuff from World Supercross. So shout out to those guys. Shout out to Bailey, the uh, World Supercross, the AME management team. Amazing. Um, and now let's shift our focus back to Primex. Yep. And we're going to call Lee Hogan, 
who is uh, obviously the TV host and commentator for the Primex Championship. And uh, let's chat some things, Primex, now, Zay. Quite the international show tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Hogs, welcome to the Amex Superstars Inside Dirt Show, mate. How you doing? I'm doing well, buddy. How are you going? We're good, thank you. I'm joined by uh, Zane Dunlop again to um, to co-host with me, mate. And uh, we just, first of all, had Jack Simpson on talking about riding something you're very familiar with, which is a 500 at... Maybe not at Hatter. Was Hatter around when you were doing your thing? Yeah, I was a little bit, but yeah, it's been a little bit more recent. I'm sort of, uh, I'm back in the dinosaur ages, mate, so. Yeah, I wasn't sure how much desert racing you guys did your, did your thing back then. But um, <laughs> anyway, obviously Simo, someone you and I are both very familiar with, came came on and talked about his whirlwind weekend at Hatter, and then uh, Zane and I have just been talking about World Supercross for the last 20 minutes, mate, and we thought, hey, better get back on track with uh, Australia and Pro-MX, and who better do that with than yourself? Aha, yes, let's talk Toowoomba. So, uh, Toowoomba, now, obviously, Zane, you got to race the track, like you said, it was probably, was that a career day for you, your best results in MX1? Nah, I got a 13th at Coolum last year. Okay. So... So, Looking forward to get back in the sand. Okay. But a, a pretty good pretty good day. But yeah, yeah. obviously Hoag's watched it from the comfort of the television trailer. Um, I watched it from the comfort. The and the climate control. <laughs> yeah, climate control and TV screens. Um, yeah. I watched it from It was the, actually in the back of a high-ace van, to tell the truth. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you just say the TV booth, because it can be any... A TV booth can be a tin hut with screens in it, as we all know. But, um, you know... The, the guy that got the front row seat to the track, how, how was it out there at Toowoomba, Zane? Because it looked the fastest Toowoomba I think we've seen in a long time, but man, it, it was probably deceiving from the sidelines, huh? Yeah, so I've actually done a lot of riding at Toowoomba. I actually skipped Gilman and raced at Toowoomba Club Day there, and I was really excited because the track was insane at the club day. It was, I didn't even put a pit tent up. It was like 14 degrees, sunny all day, track stayed moist. There was a corner, the corner at the top of the Matterhorn was like traction controls on. You could turn on the dime. So I was really excited going to Toowoomba, but I think, I don't know whether it was a bit of panic from the last few rounds being too wet, but we there was rumours of some rain and, man, the fuel of the corners, I've actually never ridden it like that before. It was way too dry. The club there have it on have it dialed. Like if, if you ride Toowoomba in the morning and you go, man, track's good, it's going to be fucking dry. Like you're going to struggle in the afternoon. Like... After the first turn, coming into that second turn, I've never seen that straight flat. Right. There's usually five, ten, like five to ten ruts. You land off the single, and where there was like a G out, there was some holes. Usually, you're in a rut there, and you follow that rut around the corner and slingshot up the hill. And but then also, it's so hard to explain. I could go on all day, corner by corner. But like you'd go down Matterhorn and down Skyline at the top of the hill, jump down. That was terrifying. <laughs> I've never ridden down that like that straight line right you were landing i over jumped at one lap not by much and landed in the ruts yeah well that's how far up they started and the bumps were so big down the hill like there was one line right against i think there's a pretty cool photo of cloudy right against the bank the bumps there man you're riding down there and i'm looking going how am i going to get over these like these are going to spit me off they, mm. they, they were that big so and then coming out of that corner there was ruts up to your handlebars before those rollers, rollers. That you couldn't see. Yeah. So I think there was just a few things that I think maybe 
the club got a bit scared or someone told the club not to water it and there was a bit of Amun and Haran because half the track was mint, really good. And then that blue groove that you've seen usually isn't in such kind of sketchy spots. Like the start straight was like road base. Yeah, okay. And I've never seen it like that. Usually you get straight line ruts off that roller all the way up the start straight. But also you can't really have that at a national because you've got to prep the first turn. Yeah, it's a balance at Hogs. And I think that um, another thing to take into consideration because obviously you're so familiar with this Hogs is the fact that, you know, you think about first tracks, was it 7.45 or 8 a.m.? Yep. And I think the last MX1 gate drops at 3.45. Yeah, 3.20. So the this, the schedule for TV for you guys, Hogs, is is a really spread out day to keep that track in check. Yeah, that's, that's correct. I mean, I, I think you're exactly right with the track preparation. It kind of made me look a little silly on the day before when we were doing our TV track piece. And I specifically spoke about the first turn, just going, guys, keep your eyes peeled on this first turn because it's basically shaded all day. And it's one of those corners where you just get five or six nice ruts right the way across. And it doesn't really see much sunshine all day. And then sure enough, we ended up with basically a, a flat corner for the whole day. So it didn't turn out anything like I expected that nice first turn. The amount of iconic pitches that I've seen of that first turn, and I can picture Ferris in like the second of about six ruts going across and, you know, Kirk Gibbs, another one. I almost picture him bar dragging through that first turn. So it was an interesting track prep, but I go back to what Danny Ham said um, a good sort of couple of months ago, just – hey, what's wrong with having a number of ruts in corners and on jump faces, but the predominant sort of the rest of the track, having it reasonably hard packed so we can chop and change lines and create a few passing opportunities. So I know it's in polar contrast to what we're used to. And yes, it would have thrown a lot of people some curveballs. I know a lot of them personally. Uh, I was talking to them and, and, and we were discussing, you know, how can we work with this? Because the top level riders at the moment, they're just not used to dealing with those kind of tracks. They're used to being in a rut for half of the lap and, and basically you choose what rut you're in and you're staying in that. So it was certainly different, that's for sure. I think the racing though reflected that the riders could move around. Um, yeah, definitely. And that's the catch where you could talk about it from experience. I mean, you raced it, you know, it seemed like there were certain sections like down Skyline, there was those ruts before the rollers, then there was the ruts in the left hand after those rollers. Um, and But we even saw through there, you could kind of go inside out, you could traverse across the ruts. There was very few areas where the riders were stuck in those lines. And, and you know, be it Ferris coming through from a bad start in, um, in one of the motos, at least he had to make some passes, not many over the weekend. But um, there was, you know, Tanny was definitely battling at one point with him in in that second moto. That's right. You remember this host. No, I think Tanti actually made the pass on him. Ferris was yeah. leading. And, That's right. And T- Tanti was in second place and, and made a, a really fast, aggressive pass. And, and then it was interesting to see how Ferris reacted to that. I wasn't quite sure if he was going to sit back and bide his time or whether he was going to try to stamp his authority because that could have easily bitten you on the bum that track. Yeah, well, obviously, it, it did with Tanny in that set of rollers in the first one. He he obviously hit neutral and was a bit fatigued from being sick during the week and stuff, he said. But I guess throughout the field, we just saw you could make passes. You could be in a bit more of a battle than we're used to seeing. It's one where I feel that normally it is quite slot car, right? So um, 
it wasn't a slot car track. The riders could get off of each other's axles. They could move around. Even if they were going, it, it seemed like the main line was the fastest line. The shortest line was the fastest line. Yeah. Um, and if you were going to make something happen, you had to carry a lot more speed. But the track allowed you to do it, Zane. Yeah, definitely. The well, the berms were also viable. Like, but that's usually that is a typical trait of Toowoomba. The berms are quite good. Like, I know when I raced that club day in the last moto, I was just going berm, 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 berm. Yeah. Okay. All day. So it, it's definitely it's such a good track. Like, I hope we keep going back there. I know losing Coolum at the end of this year. I think I'm uh, putting my foot in a bit, but I think Toowoomba is probably a very good candidate. So close to the town, such a good track. I think it would be a spectacular final round. Logistically, it is it is a good venue, man. Um, Hogs, let's talk the racing. Ferris, um, talk about a rebound from Gilman. Night and day different. Looked like the Dean Ferris we're used to seeing. Um, it was quite a message to the uh, MX1 field. Yeah, look, I think that's kind of what we expected for him. The first of three back-to-back-to-back Queensland races and coming out the back end of Gilman, which, you know, I guess we could kind of expect a little bit of a tough weekend for Ferris at Gilman. You know, he did the same thing last year and he's on a completely different colour bike this year, but he looked very similar. He was really trying to force the issue and it wasn't coming to him easy. So uh, for whatever reason, we knew he was going to be so confident and comfortable coming into uh, Toowoomba. So, uh, yeah, look, I, I think what we saw from him we could have expected, and I think exactly the same from Tanti. We see right now that he's 20 points behind in the championship, whereas coming in, I believe he was seven points behind. Is that correct? So, um, so, so look, it's going to make it so hard for Tanti now because of that unforced error going over the handlebars. But he had no choice to try to... Uh, minimise the damage of Ferris at Toowoomba is so difficult and he tried everything that he could and just made another one of those mistakes. But you can't deny just uh, how hungry Tanty is. He j- it just kills him to see Ferris doing his thing so easy. Yeah, Tanty's 20 back and uh, beaten seven back. So certainly all to play for with two rounds to go, but it's um, it's going to be interesting, man. Like I'd, I'd say we've... Gilman was the test, right? Because Gilman was the last of what I'd call the Aussie club tracks where it's those kind of switchback, smaller venue that I don't think Dean excels at. Like he does in the hard pack, but it's just never really worked for him at Gilman. But you look at Toowoomba, like he's got that, you know, MXGP old school fast vibe, right? Then you go to QMP, same deal, natural terrain, hills. Then you go to Coolum, sand. So now it's starting to add up like what is going to be Ferris's weaknesses? Like, is he going to have anything to concede in the final two rounds? I think the question is going to be bike set up possibly in the sand because that's really been his only weakness that we didn't really get to see him perform at one thaggy for obvious reasons. Um, the event didn't didn't run for the 450s. And the only other weakness for him has been the loam at Gilman. So will that affect him at Coolum is probably a question, but I, I don't see any weaknesses for him in the last two rounds. Do you? Look, I, I see that Dean Ferris over the years has been incredibly good at Coolum. Normally, last year, I think all the pressure got to him. There was a, a bunch of different circumstances that I think added up to what we saw from Ferris at his final hurrah last year, you know, and it didn't end up anything like how he wanted, and hence why I think we see him back once again, but I've seen him make his way around Coolum exceptionally fast. I think one that we need to consider is 
if Jed Beaton can come out of this spell that he seems to be under and just believe in himself and get a bit of a bit of bounce in his in his step, uh, that he's the one that's still within striking range. And yeah, I mean, look, he's had his dramas trying to set up the bike this year, but it doesn't matter what surface it is. He can ride anything and he certainly can ride sand and we know he can ride mud and you just don't know which, we could get both of these last two rounds as a full mudder. You just don't know when we're going to, you know, get those skies open up and and a full mudder going on. So um, I think that he's the one that we need to keep an eye on because I'm sure you guys all agree that the, the Jed Beaton we're looking at at the moment is nowhere near the potential that he can ride. No, that's a given. Um, I had a chat with him and, and Webster on Saturday and, and just sort of tried to shake out some, some info. And I just sort of said to Jed, I'm like, look, man, I've been saying this all year, but I haven't asked you about it, so I'm just going to be straight up. Like, It looks to me that when you're comfortable, you can go as fast as anybody, if not faster, and you can win. But it's like... I, I compared him to Tomac. I said it's like that Tomac window of when you're not there, you are only able to ride through the field to third or fourth or fifth, and and it's just not there. And he said basically, yeah, that's it. Um, and he didn't elaborate too much, but the bike is definitely, you know, set up as something he's chasing. You can see that. But Webster's won races, Jed's won races. Like the bike can do it. It's it's just getting them in that happy place to be able to perform. Yeah, and you only have to look at Fernandez overseas and obviously what Jet's doing on the 450. And we're talking full factory machines, but in America, they've still got the production rule, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, look, I, I think that with Jed, from what I can see at the moment, he wears his heart on his sleeve and, and it's really easy to see if he's having a good day or a bad day. If he's not feeling it, you can almost sort of look through the goggle lens and see in his eyes. Like You, you can sort of tell when he's not vibing. And I think, you know, to that point, I think he uh, he probably just needs to ride out the back end of this and make something happen in the last couple of rounds because to have had, uh, you know, for his standards, not the best season, to find himself this close in the points chase behind Ferris, who, you know, other than obviously had his, uh, his DNF in the moto at Wodonga in the mud. I'm just trying to think. He's had a couple of other individual not so good races um, and what would have been a dominant Athen, but he had that crash while he was just in a league of his own that day. But other than a couple of handful of events here or there, he's basically had a bit of an unstoppable season as Dean Ferris. Uh, for Jed Beaton to be only seven points behind with two rounds to go, he's got to pull some kind of confidence from that and just go, if I can find some form and just be happy, just, you know, dancing my way around the track and, and enjoy my riding and not be so stressed and, and the look on his face like he's, you know, not enjoying himself. Um, I, I think that he potentially, you know, could uh, have a shot at the title. And and like you said, all it takes is if Jed gets a sniff, like if he wins that opening moto at QMP, gets Super Pole, does something to, to get that spark. You, you know all the years he spent at Lommel riding for Factory Husky in, in MXGPs, like he's good in the sand. He's always been good in the sand. Um, it's it's not over. It's going to be really interesting, man. Um, I think something that we need to you know all bear in mind is you can't understate the power of what Ferris is doing on you know essentially almost a stock bike. Yeah, of course he's got some valving in there, some bits and pieces, but he's just decided, hey, I'm going to be a privateer. I'm going to get some bikes through Brisbane motorcycles and wait, let's get let's go race. 
And it, it doesn't matter what color motorcycle you're on. If you ride for one of the big factory teams, uh, you know, that has got to play in the mind of the rest of these team managers and the riders out there. They're just going, please, let's not have this happen. What can we do to stop this from happening? <laughs> yeah, can, right? so, can we not, guys, can we not do this? But yeah. I mean, I thought, I don't know if I was talking to you, Hogs, on Saturday, it's when I was talking to somebody and it was like, Dak has got all the championship bikes on display of Ferris's years yeah. with the team. Yeah. And then Ferris is laying it to his guys on a production-based privateer bike. And you go, yeah, like, I'm sure everyone in the pits is stoked for Dean, but the, the big team owners are probably going, this is not a good look for us. <laughs> yeah, and look, that, that piece, that color piece that, that they did on Dean Ferris, that he's, he's walking and talking through all of his bikes. I'm not sure if you've caught it yet, but, you know, all these No, I've seen one- it getting recorded on the Saturday, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, the way it come together was great. It explained, it told a tale, and you could you could hear the pride in his voice, in Dean Ferris's voice as he's walking from one bike to another. And he has the recollection. He remembers every single championship and how it was won and which one meant the most. He's like, well, this one, I just won 14 out of 15 motos. And, you know, the following year, this one meant more because of this, this, and this. He knew every single little in and out. But they were, they were basically all CDR Yamaha bikes. Well, they were, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if Zach is over in the background just sort of peeking around the corner going, damn it, you know. But, uh, uh, but, but hey, it is what it is. And, and, and from our perspective, from a, a punter's perspective, watching on TV at home or from someone that goes to the races and watch, it's a good thing because – you know, it's created a scenario where we have all these factory teams doing what they should be doing, trying to win championships. And we've thrown one little pawn in the mix there that's just thrown the cat amongst the pigeons. We all knew he had the ability to come out and be able to do that. Um, and there's still two rounds to go. He hasn't done it yet. So well, one thing that's, good, good that's really cool about it, Hoes, and you'd remember from your, your days, right, because I feel like the sport – is going further away from this as, as we get more into these modern era 450s with the electronics and, and everything that, that they come with now. But, you know, it's not like it used to be. We're back in the day, like you, Lee Hogan, you could essentially go to the States, you'd get your 125 from Pro Circuit, from Mitch, you'd go race Supercross. You could go get your 500 and go race MXGP, which I think you did from memory in, in the nations or whatever you were doing, but you were a private guy. You were a privateer, right? And I feel that motocross and supercross was one of those pure forms of motorsport where, like, let's be real. You can't go to the dealership and buy a fucking V8 supercar. You can't yeah. go buy a Formula One car, a MotoGP. But but we didn't have that barrier to entry where... No, you, it's different now. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember back in 94 when uh, we rocked up to the motocross of nations in Switzerland. And I was racing the Honda CR500 two-stroke, um, you know, for Australia. Kim Ashkenazi was on the 250 and Stephen Andrews on the 125. And I rocked up and my my beautiful Honda 500 was there. And it looked like it had done five seasons of racing. And it had a, a yellow front fender. It had red side plates, a white rear fender. It looked like it had come <laughs> straight out of Cirque du Soleil. And uh, I, I remember my first ride on it was detonating that bad. I thought that the piston was going to come out of the top and we sort of semi-melted ahead in that first that first ride. So we ended up having to try to source a different bike. But that's what we were dealing with uh, back then. It was uh, an, an interesting time. But that being said, the year before in 93 at Austria for the Nations, I got to race the late Donnie Schmidt's factory Chesterfield Yamaha 250, one of the coolest 
most factory bikes on the planet. You, you know, you, it had a semi-automatic gearbox that you could change up gears and not even have to touch the clutch. Like road race uh, technology has, you know, and we're only just seeing that now, like however many years it is later starting to come in. So, yeah, it's a little bit of a, um, yeah, it was an interesting time where you're kind of like a bag of lollies. You didn't know what you were going to get. But again, it, it made it, if you, I guess what I'm getting at is if you were a rider willing to travel or you were willing to have a crack, you could go overseas or you could, you know, you could rock up to Mr. Motocross or whatever it was with your bike on the back of the, the Ford Falcon or whatever and and have a crack. And I think that in recent years with the bikes and the technology, the teams of even in domestic championships like Australian Motocross and Supercross, there's not a lot of privateers now that are really doing anything. They're there or thereabouts, but they're not winning. And then all of a sudden Ferris comes along and says, oh, what's up Brisbane Motorcycles? Give me a couple of Yamahas. Yamaha, give me some bonus. I'll put my own deal together. And like you said, the bike, I mean, I think he's got a, a Kropovich on there purely, um, not cosmetically, like performance-based, but I think he raced one of the rounds with a stock pipe. Like, Yeah, well, I know actually because I'm closer to Dean this year and like I actually was speaking to him at the start of the year and, you know, you get all excited. I got the new Yamaha and I was like, oh, yeah, sick. Like make put a pipe on it, make it look cool, like change the gearing, fiddle around with this, tinker with that. And I was like to Dean, I was like, like what are you doing? Like, And he's like, oh, yeah, no, just all stock, bro. Mm. Like, I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, he's like, he's like literally, man, like, I was like, like what about the pipe? And he's like, yeah, it's lighter. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit, you just beat me by 40 seconds. At the, I'll, I'll go 30 seconds faster and then I'll look at a pipe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Puts it in perspective, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. But um, and, and, you know, a fair bit to do with that's the beauty of the 450 class. You know, try doing that in the 250 class and uh, we'll see what's going on. I, I guess that's a lot of the reason why, you know, resources, budgets, um, et cetera, makes that 250 class so so difficult to try to get a motor up to scratch with some of those um, top factory team bikes but you can potentially do that you pick the right bike and i'm not saying every single one of them out there you can just go grab one off the showroom floor but there is a good portion of that 450 mx1 class where the motor will you know you don't have to do much to it at all so you're good to go no for sure and speaking of mx2 you know i'm looking at these points now hoax and you've got nathan crawford who is uh Best part of 30-something. There's a lot of numbers. 35 points. There you go. Um, He's well over a moto behind Wilson Todd now at this point. And um, Todd's managing the championship. Nato had, you know, great speed at at Toowoomba. Um, Really, it seems to be those two that have just fully separated themselves at this point. You know, Ferguson's there or thereabouts. Connolly's there or thereabouts. We've had, you know, Reese Bud Factor and a couple motos, but it's really the tale of those two that, I mean, realistically, we're going to see those guys graduate next year, whether Wilson Todd goes 450 or goes back to his original plan of World Supercross and AMA Supercross or whatever he's going to do with that team. From what I understand, Nathos looking to go 450, um, whether that's with Orange from what I think it could be. Uh, but there's going to be a big void in that MX2 class next year. Well, look, I would have loved to have seen Wilson Todd go MX1 this year after winning as early in the championship as what he did when he wrapped it up last year and then to come out and win a moto at the final round at Coolum. I think he could have quite possibly been a championship contender this year and very much so, you know, um, not only winning races, but I think he's got such a good head on his shoulders. And, And I think what I admire a fair bit about Wilson Todd is 
he's got such a huge points lead that he's trying to manage at the moment. And we know how fast Nathan Crawford is, but there's been times like both motos at Gilman and like Moto 2 over the weekend at Toowoomba where he's not scared to go head-to-head with Nathan Crawford, who's basically the same speed, and he'll fight tooth and nail right the way down to the checkered flag, knowing full well that every single corner he's putting himself in a position where he could end up, you know, in, in the cheap seat somewhere. So, And he manages it. He doesn't panic when someone's right behind him. So um, I love watching those two go at it, and you can visually see the distaste between them when you're watching them. I, th- <laughs> you know, I think rivalries are not such a bad thing in sport. You look at some of the best rivalries throughout, you know, the ages in any sport. You know, we don't remember the niceties. We remember the good rivalries, don't we? And, uh, you know, I think this is a good healthy one that's ticking along and still has a, a lot more life left in it. And uh, yeah, I've, I've been enjoying watching that. You know, I don't want to see Wilson Todd walk away with, a championship and win it with three rounds to go and not get to battle anyone. And while Nathan Crawford isn't right there in the points chase for a bunch of different reasons, uh, on any given moto, he can be in there and battle to the death with him right the way through to the checkered flag. And it's great to watch. So um, it's, it's, it's brought a little bit of excitement into that MX2 class. Um, very impressed with Ferguson at the last round. And we all know how fast he is at the first half of the race and how much fire he's got in his belly once the gate drops, his sprint speed. But I think he's, he's kind of built his tank big enough now to be able to, uh, you know, do those last five minutes. Uh, you know, I guess that's another topic that perhaps we can talk about at some stage as to why in Australia we've got 25 minutes plus one lap when the rest of the world's doing 30 plus twos. Um, I, you know, it's, I've got my opinions on that. Uh, you know, and I understand it's derived a lot around uh, TV, but uh, you know, I, I, I kind of—I'm a big fan of that thirty plus two. Yeah, it's. I mean, Ferguson. I don't know how much you could pick up on TV, Hogs, or what you saw Zane from from being in the pits in between races. But Ferguson, he is wild. Like his sprint speed, he'll scrub and man. The the finish jump. You know, if you went inside before the finish, the two fifty guys were struggling to get to the tabletop. And he was kind of scrubbing it, but then jumping off the downside, and he was jumping into them holes. I'm pretty sure he was in second gear because the bike sounded <laughs> like it was about to spit a piston out the pipe. And But he would do that lap after lap, and I was just like, man, he must be so fit to be yeah. able to charge like that because yeah. the energy it takes to just throw down at that, that speed for, for 25 plus plus a lap like that's but he hasn't always been able to do that that's just a recent thing you know and it and, is uh, it is it's, it's coming sure of it's age and that, that's for sure <laughs> no i think the injuries he had as well you know i think we forget about those yeah i think yeah you agreed. see you probably see noah just growing up getting a few hairs on his chest getting a bit of that man strength maybe coming back because you, you got to remember he's very young like uh, you forget because like you're like oh him and Duffy battled Duffy's in the 450 class but he's young as well like there would only be 19 or 20 so I think you see I think you see Noah kind of get a bit more strength into him he's training with the beaten screw like you said he's no longer injured but you know what's epic to watch is Brody Connolly and Noah Ferguson battle because they're just the same ah. style and they're just scrubbing and there's limiters going everywhere and there's cross running and they're just sending it every lap yeah, Connolly's um, – it's that next generation, right? And realistically, when you look at Todd and Crawford graduating, Connolly, Ferguson, Bud, if Muneer doesn't go to Europe, 
Uh, I think Maneer's had a bit of a mid-season slump a little bit. Like, I wouldn't say he's maybe achieving what we thought he would, but he did this last year, Hogs, and he kind of finished the year strong, but Maneer's there. There's, I know we're already looking ahead to, you know, actually Liam Andrews was someone who I had lined up for tonight, but he said he's got the flu uh, that's been going around, so unfortunately for Andrews. Yeah, what he, a great job he's been doing, man. It's just yeah. been very, very impressive and consistently impressive, you know, in all conditions, in the mud, in the hard pack, like the, the, the soft and a little bit of mud from Gilman as well and then to the hard pack and the deep ruts. He's just been rock solid like you'd you'd expect a seasoned factory rider to be. He um, And Hoags, you, you, you'll, you'll vouch me on this one. I feel like I tell the story all the time because I just get really pumped up on it, but... You know, you got like, how do I put this without offending people? You got like your your more resourced families that do motocross. Then you've yes. got like your average working class families that do motocross. And I don't want to talk bad about Liam and his family. This is not what I'm doing this for. But you and I used to go to Pilot Forum X during the week and on the weekends all the time. And I'm talking, they had the Yamaha Junior ride. They had the bike on the back of the Commodore. And the Commodore was not new. I'm pretty yeah. sure the bike was worth more than the Commodore that would bring it to the track. <laughs> and and they were doing it the hard way. And then I remember he blew his knee out of the Junior Aussies in Tassie, do you remember, in 2018? And then yeah, when he should have won, it was his. He was so fast. He was. And then he, he had that head injury, which I think he actually he, he hit his head at Park 4 from memory. Um, he, you know, his family and him, man, they've done it the hard way. And he works full-time job, works at the dealership that he races for. Like, it's a really feel-good story. Yeah, I don't know if you know the history of his dad. His dad, Craig Andrews, is a multi, multi-time national junior motocross champion. I remember um, back in 1987, man, I'm showing my age here. I apologize. Uh, well, that was the uh, year Alice. I was born, so I don't remember oh, this, right, gotcha. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Well, there you go. So we were Alice Springs racing the national junior championships, and I was the sole factory Kawasaki junior rider up against this fleet of factory Honda team boys, which was Cameron Taylor, Craig Andrews, and Glenn Smith, three three factory Honda kids. And, um, yeah, he ended up on the podium with us there. I got that one on the boys that year, thank, thank God. But uh, but he ended up with six, five or six Aussie junior titles. Um, so to have your dad, you know, in your corner, not only as his mechanic and mentor, does the engineering for the team, pieces everything all together. But just to have him there in your corner to be able to give words of advice, especially at those big events when you find someone like Craig, his dad, will just be a little bit calmer than some of the other dads that haven't been able to put themselves into those scenarios before. Yeah, I did not know that about his dad because his dad's a very unassuming, quiet kind of guy. Um, yeah. I've chatted to him a lot over the years, but he failed to mention that he was um, a, a, a big deal as a junior. But there you go. Um, yeah, no, it's been awesome to see Liam. I want to get him on the show soon and just talk about his program. That that team, there's a couple of really good sort of feel-good teams that are popping up right now in the pits too, man. It's, it's great to see. But um, I'll tell you what, that bike, that's a, that's a full privateer Honda 250, and I got to ride that for ADB Magazine. And... Uh, you know, those guys have pieced that together with a few little you know, bits and pieces, nothing quite like what we see from the factory teams. And you have a look, and there won't be many starts this year in MX2 where if you, if you have a close look where Liam's been out of the top five into that first turn, which, you know, against that field is, is quite a feat. Yeah, the bike, <clears throat> you can just tell too how it sounds. Like all the 250s in that top 10 sound, they bark, they they rip, right? And um, that, that thing sounds right amongst 
you know, the factory bikes. So, again, they built a great setup, so hats off to those guys. But, um, Hugs, I think we've taken up enough of your time tonight, mate. I know you're a family man and there's stuff going on. So, um, appreciate you uh, coming on to uh, to chat all things Primax with us, mate. Thank you. Thanks for having me on again, mate. Hopefully we'll have a chat as we uh, close this season out. Two more rounds to go. Let's go. That's it, mate. All right, well, uh, we will chat to you um, where we're going to be. QMP, we've got about a month left. So we'll, we'll chat to you in or around the QMP, mate. Thank you. Sounds good, boys. All the best. See you, mate. All right, guys. Lee Hogan here on the uh, Inside Dirt show, brought to you by AMX Superstores. Hogs is, um, I mean, I forget how old he is. <laughs> but man he's a real wealth of he's he's done so much yeah wealth of knowledge he's yeah. got yeah he just pulls stuff out of I love it man like he talks about these races when I was a kid that I remember watching and he was racing them like it's so uh, cool. it's cool man and wealth of knowledge and uh, thanks for coming on the on the show Hoax and uh, like I said AMX Superstore's Inside Dirt show right um, that covers a lot of Primex that covers Hatter that covers World Supercross um, we are going to call our resident um, mainstay the guy that's been with Inside Dirt since the beginning Darnell he just texted me he said he just woke up after his nap from getting home from, from Hatter so we've got to um, we've got to give him a call real quick. So let's call Darnell official. He can oh, give yeah, us the rundown a, on a hard life, eh? on all things uh, Hatter. And uh, yeah, it is a hard life being an industry <laughs> guy. Darnell, Darnell official. I've pre-warned everyone. You've just woken up. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it. <laughs> um, so you are our official uh, Hatter. Um, uh, desert race after party correspondent. So, uh, how was it? <laughs> it was a great time. <laughs> it was a great time had by all. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, everyone thoroughly enjoyed it. You know what? If you haven't been to Hatter, to ever, anyone listening, or or even to you two, that is an event you need to go to and watch and spectate and ride. Even if you are brave enough, I'm not. It's not for me. Yeah, Zane, Zane came into the house tonight and he was like, I think I'm going to do Hatter and Fink next year. So he's he's claimed it. I was chatting to Darnell about that at, at Toowoomba. So yeah. yeah, okay. Going to have a good deal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Darnell, we've had Jacko come on. Simo talked about all things 500s and hitting trees and just, just general, just craziness. Um, we've chatted World Supercross. We've chatted uh, Prime Exit at Toowoomba with Lee Hogan. Um, so I really don't know what there's left to cover, but... You could probably give us the perspective from from being boots on the ground, excuse me, at, at Hatter. Um, you know, Simo being Simo, Simmons getting the win, but just the sheer number of competitors you were there with Rhino Power and and the Monster Crew. You know, in your official um, you know, professional capacity, capacity. But uh, it's a hell of an event, right? I think I know what Darnell's going to talk about. He's going to talk about how fast Callum Norton was because he's an A Stars guy. Yeah, well, Simo had a pair of boots on too, to be fair. I saw that. Okay, all right. We're, we're having cheap shots here. Right. <laughs> no, uh, it, it, was a, it was an unfortunate weekend for Cal. Obviously, prologue P1 um, and looked like a, a hot favourite, but unfortunately, he did a fuel pump around lap two or three, so that, sort of, that was his day done. Um, but from there, I mean, Mason and Simo were just on it all day. Um, yeah, to watch those two guys go out of the way they did, it was it's very impressive to watch, and to watch the amount of sheer the sheer amount of riders at that event is just um, it's it's something different to what what I'm used to. Obviously, going to motocross for so many years, um, 
yeah, no, it's yeah, it's just one you've got to go and check out. Uh, how many competitors across all the classes? There was five hundred seniors. Wow, so that's a lot of bikes. That's actually more and than it, Fink. Fink was four sixty. So that's yeah, massive. it might have been. Well, I think the capacity is five hundred. I don't, I don't know the actual number. Do they still just let everyone go like with the um, quad riding oh, across yeah. the thing? Yeah, it's- yeah, the quad. Just, yeah, the quad just rides across. And everyone just goes. <laughs> oh, so never get over Chucky last year, nearly hitting that reporter. No, oh, dude. Remember? No. Yeah, actually, I do. I remember seeing <laughs> that clip. Classic. Um, tell me, Donnell, was it everything as terrifying as the Instagram Instagram clips looked? Seeing Jacko hold on to that five hundred. Oh yeah, and more so. <laughs> Same person. Very, very much, very much so. It's. Um, I mean, watching any of those guys go around there, it's just yeah. It is an insane race, um, and that track gets so unbelievably rough. That just, yeah, I don't know. I think a lot of our our motocross guys that that we deal with, <laughs> I don't think they'd be brave enough to tackle this one. No, nah, I mean normally, I know Purvis was going to do it this year. He did it last. Year. He did it last yeah. year, but I think yeah. he's injured right now. Um, Malkowitz tried it as well. Yeah, the WBR boys normally yep. do it, right? Um, but. No, it's it was interesting. I was talking to Jacko about this too, Dino. You and I chatted earlier where I was like, it was kind of not missing the star power, but I think it was a changing of the guard where it was like, oh, like Callum, Jacko, Mason, like these are the big off-road and the big desert guys in Australia now. Yeah, I mean, without, without Toby and Milner and, and Chucky there, maybe that the star power that we used to isn't there anymore. But, um, but I guess you've got to look at it now. Sorry to interrupt you, but like... Would would Chucky or Milner or or you know would they have had anything for for Cow and for Jacko and Mason at this point? I well, wonder. I mean, I mean Todd, oh, Todd yeah. got second last year. Mm. I don't know what. Toddy, I actually don't know what happened to Todd. Toddy, Toddy had an unfortunate coming together with a tree. Um, <laughs> I heard he knocked himself out before he hit the ouch. ground or something. Yeah, it wasn't good. Um, so yeah, rough run for Toddy, but yeah, I mean. Chucky, a healthy Chucky, definitely runs with all of them. Milner would run with them. Like these guys are so, so specialised at that event. So, um, I mean, run with them. Yeah, I just, I don't know if they would whitewash them like they would have done a few years ago. I guess is what I'm wondering. Yeah, it's hard to tell. You never know. Maybe we'll see next year. Yeah, maybe we will. I don't know if I don't know if Milner's coming back or not. I asked him the other day, but I didn't get a response. But I chat to him here and there. I don't know if he's thrilled with how it's going over there. Hmm. We'll see. Only time will tell. Yeah, like the Alpine star guy doesn't know who's coming back. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> sworn to secrecy. Yeah. No comment. <laughs> yeah, speak to my lawyer. <laughs> um, but nah, obviously, um, you you got you know you were there with Rhino Power product and and doing Monza things would have been you know just a cool industry catch up, low pressure, not like Primax or Supercross, a little bit more of a festival vibe, right? Yeah, that's it. And I think and. To really put it into perspective, the off-road crowd was just so much more relaxed and laid back than what than what we used to with the moto crowd. So uh, at the Friday night scrutineering, you know, all the bikes there, everyone getting around it um, and locked in for you know a couple of hours there. So that was that was a good good experience for us and um, yeah, massive for Rhino Power for for everyone coming by and checking it out. You know, with the with the new performance shells that are just hitting the market now. Um, they were they were a big hit down there at Hatter just for obviously energy levels and hydration and all that nutrition for you at at a race like that is is crucial. So for us to have the gels here in time for Hatter was massive for us and 
to have everyone get behind them um, was huge. So, you know, we're, we were really stoked with, with the engagement that we got out of it. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll build and go bigger next year, I think. So is that, is that a professional enough answer for you? That was, that was surprising. It was very professional. It's almost like you know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, big brand guy now, this guy. Big brand guy. Massive. It's yeah. awesome. Um, and, oh, you know, like, you're tired, obviously, getting back from Hatter the weekend before we were in Toowoomba. Like, it's, mm. uh, you know, your your role right now within the organization. A lot of traveling, a lot of being the faces of the brands at the races, and that's what you're good at. But uh, it's not all it's not all high fives and uh, champagne at the after party. Like, there's a lot of Ks you're putting in right now. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're chugging through at the moment. Um Toowoomba was, uh, you know, to touch on Toowoomba, Toowoomba was, a, was an awesome event. You know, I love that venue. It's probably one of my favourites, if not my favourite in Australia. Um, you know, and good racing there. So, you know, it's just, yeah, we're, we're full steam ahead at the moment. I mean, 12X is on a break, but nothing else is stopping. So um, I'll be up back up in Queensland in two weeks for, for a battle in the bush at, at, at Conondale, which... Uh, are you, are you um, riding? I am riding. I am. I am riding a YZ 250F or a YZ 125. I've I've not been instructed on what I'll be riding yet. But uh, wait, what I'm is crazy. this a team event? What is this battle in the bush? Thing? This, this is a team event. Team event. It's a three hour relay or te- yeah, basically a three hour a three hour team race. Who's whose team yeah. are you on? Uh, so I've got uh, two of our sales reps, um, Tamara Gray, who's a fifteen time Queensland champion and was the captain of our team last year. Uh, she was fourth in pink this year in the women's class, the inaugural women's class of pink. So she won prologue and led day one, um, unfortunately. So she's she the opposite Ill. to you on a dirt bike, is essentially yeah, yeah, what you're basically, saying? Yeah, basically the opposite of me. Yeah, um, she's, yeah she's fast and fit. Um, I, I'm neither of those things. So And then <laughs> Jesse Ma, uh, another one of our reps up there. So we're going we're gonna to send Do you it need on another team. rider? No, no. I don't want you anywhere near my team. So... Oh, that's right. Well, I'm Are trying to line. It? I'm trying to line Kukas up, me and Tom Kruger, and we're going to try and line up a team. Tom's old man runs Connordale, so I'm trying to line up a team and go or race it. If you wanted, I'll do. All right, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> Someone put at, me on their he's team. He's looking at me now, like, please. I didn't know that put this me on was the a team. Yeah, I'll, I'll ride Connordale. I'll do a team ride. Yeah, well, I'm struggling to get Kukas to reply to me, so you might be subbed yeah, in. Call me up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could do that. Yeah, no, I haven't we been had, cool him since two. No, Connordale since 2012. MX Nationals, but put me in, coach. Three hours, you good yeah. for it? Not the whole three hours, but <laughs> like I'll do a stint. <laughs> I got yeah, a bike no, sitting in there that's done very little, so yeah. No, we do. Yeah, we were up there last year for it. Um, I was supposed to be riding last year, and unfortunately, one of the team members fell ill, um, and I had <laughs> was not in race shape um, from the night before. So. <laughs> Yeah, got pretty loose. There's a few broken tables up there, I think, last year. Mm. Yeah, yeah, a couple of broken tables, broken spirits, um, broken souls. <laughs> yeah, some some tough block surfing was was a highlight for me, and we'll be up there with the pod right, limbo and the SBS brake test again, um, which were were a big hit last year. So we're gearing up for that. So it's just full steam ahead at the moment. Yeah, right. I'm keen, Dane. If if you yeah, let me know. Yeah, we'll have to line something up. Yeah, that's um, sorted. We'll do an inside dirt team. Definitely. All right. Oh yeah, and we won't have Darnell because he's a dick and didn't put us on his team. <laughs> hey, hey, man! Big hey, industry man. guy. Like Big. I said, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta go where you're supported, and I just don't have that support from inside there at the moment. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's yeah. fair. I'd probably go with my full time employer as well. But yeah, 
Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't blame you, yeah. but all right, well, yeah. I'm... Right, let's just put it this way. Go with a, with a 15-time Queensland champion, a pink finisher, or Joe, who's ridden three times in the last four years. <laughs> you know, it's a real tough choice. Hey, I'm putting Battle in the Bush into my browser right now. Yeah. Actually, I hope something else doesn't come up. <laughs> it's uh, next weekend. Battle in the 15th Bush, 20th. And 16th. It's okay. Yeah, 15th and 16th of July. Um, last year. Great. I had this trouble too. Oh, yeah. Okay. It was on MX Store's story. Anyway, we will we will find it. I'm, I'm going to try to enter inside dirt and then we'll put a team together. Um, yeah. And if I see you on the track, I know. <laughs> it's all over. It's on. Yeah, well, if I if I don't see you at the bar afterwards, Joe, you know, I'll be I'll be very disappointed. So I I know I've, I've started to form a little bit of a reputation, and it's not good. So um, you got to back that thing up, man. Yeah, hey, look, man. Some people are good at riding dirt bikes. I'm good at after parties. So <laughs> can't we'll be good at everything, eh? Yeah, it goes hand in hand. Yeah. Um, Mind you, I will have to say, my housemate Empire Cowie. Uh, Will Price has just rolled in home after taking out second in the 250 class yesterday at Hatter, and uh, yeah, what a, what a ride for t- with with Willie there. He's got a fast I mean, house, ain't it? He's got Will Price and Jesse. So he's got a factory mechanic and a factory rider as housemates, and then Don then Al. there's Donnell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, the, the big industry guy. What a house! Oh yeah, it's like something straight out of Southern California. <laughs> Yeah, Southern Packham. <laughs> uh, we're not Packham. Do not, do not class us in that. In oh, I'm sorry. Where are you at, officer? Uh, no, I'm in Croydon. It's much worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, far out. <laughs> it's a far cry from the Gold Coast, my man. Yeah, well, here's the thing. We're realists down here. <laughs> we're, not front, we're not front and bureau only fans page. <laughs> Probably less traffic. <laughs> <laughs> Heaps less traffic. No, no not wrong. at all. <laughs> Just the equivalent of like living here to like Brisbane, so it's just traffic uh, flat chat. But anyway, all right, Donnell. Hey, man, appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you waking up from your nap, and and uh, we always love to get Donnell official on his OG, his inside the family. He might not have invited me on his battle in the bush team, but that's fine. Um, yeah, we'll, can't win them all. We'll do an inside. Uh, I'll get Jimmy on the team. Jimmy, no, Jimmy's uh, already on another team. Uh, why is no one tell- I talk to you guys every day. Why has no one told me about this? Because <laughs> you're such a big industry guy. You don't pay a lot of attention to the industry. Well, I, I literally talked to Jimmy twice that I talked to you earlier and no one's, yeah. I've been pumping this thing up for like a month. I, might, I, I don't listen very well either. It could be that. Yeah. Well, look, here's the deal. I don't really care. <laughs> I would have had no okay. idea if it wasn't for my mate's old man literally runs the club. Yeah, so okay. I would have had no idea. Well, I'm doing it one way or another. I want to write Colin down, so it's happening. Um, yeah. All right, now Appreciate you coming on, man. We're going to wrap this one up now. It's been a, a decent show. And um, go get some rest and recover from a big few weeks on the road, mate. Yeah, it's all right. We'll just, yeah, we're straight back into the office tomorrow. We'll keep this thing rolling. And uh, I guess I'll see you boys at QMP. Oh, no, I'll see you at Conondale, and then I'll see you at QMP. Yeah, I'll see you in a couple of weeks, Conondale, what I'm smoking you we're out on the team ride together. Hey, man, you just smoke whatever you want. Don't get anywhere. <laughs> All right, man. Um, appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. All right, see you, All right, guys. AMX Superstores bringing you Darnell Official for a little late show 
check in there. And uh, Zane, I think that's pretty much covered just about everything. Yeah, yeah, except MXGP, but, you know, I mean, Prado's winning by 100 points. And Yeah, it was cool to see uh, Andy Murray and um, yeah, and uh, Lewis Stewart, Aussies over Nick there. Murray. Sorry, Nick Murray. Yeah. Oh, Andy, Ma- Andy Murray's a surfer, I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah, I actually <laughs> was hanging out at Nick's. 67 MX warehouse like two weeks ago. So I apologize, <laughs> Nick, for calling you the wrong name. <laughs> he was he was fixing my kids' peed up. Um, but uh, him and, and uh, Nick, um, sorry, no, uh, Lewis, Lewis Stewart, um, both Aussies, like 15, 16. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, we were actually. Did you see the Instagram post that he put up, Murray, yeah. where um, Prado and Ferrell yeah, were passed and he, him and he it. cranked a whip. He's like, he's like, whip for the camera. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Uh, we and the boys were actually at Toowoomba watching the first round of the Indonesian, like comparing lap times. And we're like, oh, he's only 13 seconds off Prado. And he's around, like, he's a very good rider. He's about, like, around our sort of pace at the sunny states and stuff. So, we're like, everyone's, like, comparing. Like, oh, so we'd probably be around. We'd probably be with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so, it's cool, man. Because when I was at his workshop the other day, he was leaving the next day to go to the first Indonesian round. And, you know, just putting the motos in, got his FIM license, just does it full privateer, wildcard spec. So cool. It is really cool. Yeah, what a, what a actually, cool way to go racing. I actually messaged him last year and was trying to figure out how to do it because it's my dream to do some sort of bigger racing than Pro MX. Mm. So, but then a rumour has it that it's coming here next year. It's a pretty solid rumour at this point. Yeah, yeah, so I'm pretty excited. Um, yeah, I mean, the word's out, but yeah, it, there's yeah, there'll be an MXGP here, I think, for many not many, many years, but I think it's it's going to be somewhat of a long-term deal. And um, I won't say the venue. Do you know the venue? I'm pretty sure it's already been... It was on... Was it on that podcast? Yeah, it was on another publication. It was. What What did they say? Linked to the band. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. I just didn't want to be the guy to say it. Because <laughs> like, yeah, no. I'd been in some meetings and some things that were quite like okay. um, people in rooms that would know and I, I couldn't say, but... Now, um, all right. Well, like the mo- like when you mention riders switching teams and stuff, and I don't say anything, and you say it, and I just sit over here in silence. You do that, yeah. I'll drop all the yeah. So, so I'm waiting for you to say it, yeah. so that it wasn't <laughs> me. It. But yeah, it's it's yeah, it's linked br- to the bend. It's so. linked to the bend, and it's going to be really cool. I yeah. don't know if it's confirmed yet, but it's getting pretty close. I will so be there with bells on. Yeah, it's going to be awesome, man. Yeah. Um, so yeah, wild cards line up for that one that's 100%. for sure it'll be interesting to see how many if we get a full uh, surely we get a full gate yeah it'll be more of an indonesian rounds i think a lot of the euro teams will want to come to australia yeah yeah it just comes down to budget i think the way the mxgp like having the 15 riders on the gate is not a good look in indonesia but not at all um interesting to see man but all right guys hey want to give a massive shout out to amx superstores for supporting this one uh something different uh, i actually kind of enjoyed it doing like a a bit of a chatting about everything as opposed to just Primex. So maybe we'll do a few more of these, eh? And it was fun. Yeah, definitely. I had a good time. Instead of bench racing with me mates in the room for no reason, we record it. Exactly. Um, and yeah, shout out to Jack Simpson uh, on his How to Success. Shout out to Lee Hogan for coming on Chat and Primex. Shout out to Darnell Official. Um, and of course, shout out to you guys for listening and uh, AMX Superstores for supporting um, what is usually the Primex review show. And tonight was the Inside Dirt Show. So uh, thanks for coming in, Zane. Appreciate it, man. No worries, mate. Thanks for having me. And uh, we will catch up with you guys before QMP in a few weeks for round seven of Primex. So much love to everyone for listening. We appreciate you guys supporting the platform, and we will be back soon. Thank you.